there's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer brand. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is Direct to Consumer by Pilothouse. Hello, welcome to All Killer, No Filler, the place where Pilothouse helps brands and advertisers come together with our with our weekly insights and tips. Eric Eric wasn't able to put an intro together, so that was that was my effort. But we're gonna roll with it. Well done, Kyle. That I think I, I my my job here is done. I think you guys are, are are ready for for what's about to come next. We had to have Brett on. Brett has one of our company's uh, longest standing employees. Brett Turner, welcome to All Killer No Filler. I know you're a big fan. This must be a big moment for you. I watch every podcast the second it comes out. Eric drops it on Slack, and I'm there ready to go in my my little corner window and watch the whole thing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very nice. Well, why don't we just start with an overview of where we're at with lead gen right now? I think anytime you're heading into a troubled economy, uh, traditional logic dictates that lead gen is a bit of a port in a storm, even though we're seeing e-commerce uh, continuing to rise as well during during these troubled times. Talk to us a little bit about where your head's at with lead gen and what, what you're kind of working on. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely been interesting to see it now that we've kind of had two months of it to kind of reflect back on. Um, originally coming into this whole thing, it's, it's definitely, it was a huge, huge opportunity for us on the radar because no matter what, the nice thing about Legion is people will always have time and attention to give to you in some capacity, not like e-com where you have requirements for some sort of financial, um, requirements for that. But anytime, if you find the right niche, you can monetize somebody in Legion. So, so we really wanted to jump on top of that and make sure we were taking full advantage of it, both because people are going to have more of that time. Um, and because we're going to see the lower ad costs. And it kind of turned out to be the perfect storm um, for lead gen in general. Um, now, with lead gen, obviously, a lot of the times you are selling off onto a product that is going to cost something in the end. Um, so we were really working hard on building a lot of processes to both nurture leads um, in the early stages here, and we can acquire them for cheap, um, and bring those people to a point in a few months whenever they can to convert, and both find different niches and find different ways to monetize our current clients um, with either lower value products or something that kind of fits this whole situation a little bit better. Totally. And Brad, that's a really good point. Like this idea, you know, building, building audiences for the long term, we've touched a lot in, in kind of our uh, previous, previous casts, but you know, that applies not only to call center businesses, but um, also to e-commerce companies to build those lists, manage that data correctly. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. Like like Kyle said, a lot of what I personally work on is traditional lead gen, where we have a lead come in and it's going to be either closed out on some sort of online software or over a call center. But we are seeing a lot of a lot of companies, a few of our clients internally actually, that are pivoting um, their commerce products more towards a lead gen style funnel, um, where again some people don't have the money to offer at this time. Um, but a lot of people have the time. So building a long-term post-conversion funnel. Um, I know, Eric, you could probably speak a little bit to that. You've been working on, um, with our mailing team, a few different processes for post-conversion funnels and figuring out how we can take these leads that we're able to generate for cheap now due to the, the lower costs um, and the increased um, volume in the market, and then piggyback those to a sale later on. And I think we're, we're starting to see some really good early-stage success there. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. 
with your lead gen stuff at this point, like I, I've been out of the lead gen world for a while. I was, you know, in, in the affiliate game, we'd have lead gen offers come on and we'd try to run search traffic or create quick landers. Like how has the lead gen game evolved to the point? Like you're not, you're, we're, cause one of the things we're doing on the lead gen side is building content properties, right? Yeah. And then selling the leads from there. So it's a bit different than just sort of slinging leads the way I used to think about it anyways, back in the day. Yeah, and that that has been a big pivot, and that's only just over the last two years. The whole space, even from when I started four years ago to now, it's a totally different game. And I, I think what that all comes down to is we're dealing with much smarter consumers who are much more conscious with their data, um, especially with all the things that happen with Facebook, the whole all the data privacy situations. People are starting to realize the value in their data and how much important it is to protect that. So even when we're talking about something like an email and a first and last name, um, four or five years ago, that was worth pennies. Um, nobody is, everybody is willing to disclose that for the sake if they can get a, watch a free YouTube video, they don't their email. But nowadays, you have to establish on your price. Um, and to do that, we're helping our clients build out a really good front-end presence. Um, that's, like you mentioned, we're building a large blog and content properties. So we can really deliver the content um, and show the client exactly what we're offering before we ask for that juicy email and phone number that we need to get in touch with them to close that lead. So it, it basically, is all, it's all come down to a smarter consumer and building trust in the space. And there's a few different ways to do that. You could do it through long-form creative. You could do it through branding ads followed by your conversion ads. There's a lot of different methods, but it's definitely, it's come down to a much more difficult first touch acquisition. Yeah, a lot of people like it's like a it like in its simplest form, like a lead gen campaign specifically for e-commerce is like an email pop, right? And yeah. you know, that still works. It sees sees a lot of success and um and uh you know we see delayed purchases as a result on our on our ad platforms. Um but I think Brett what you're saying is going deeper, building these building these monster funnels. And I hope we can talk about a little bit about that today, kind of the the process and how we're building these funnels for clients, how that data is being passing through and, and honestly just getting into like how we're optimizing those. Cause it's, it's actually quite, I don't want to pump, pump around tires, but it's, it's pretty deep and it's pretty impressive. The stuff that, that we've kind of evolved to, to today. Yeah. Lay it out for us, Brett. Lay it, lay it, lay us out like a yeah. bit of a schematic of, of some of our strategies. Let's dig deep. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of give a good overview of, I think a good way to look at it is kind of, I'll start where we kind of began with our lead gen properties, what issues that we ran into, and kind of how we went about solving those and how that's created what we have now and the processes we have now. Um, so initially, when you picture a regular lead gen funnel, it's add, hey, this is a service, enter your email here, and we'll provide it to you through an email or we'll phone you and our call center will sell it to you. Um, now, we were seeing quite a few different issues with that. Now, it was working in some capacities for some clients, but the thing is, in a lot of cases like that, people aren't qualified enough or they don't know what they're signing up for just because it was a phone number, they entered it in, they might have read, I don't know, they might have read Painter, but they were wanting to buy a painting. Like, who knows? A lot of the time, it's just a misinformed user. Um, working closely with our clients' call centers, if we're just running a really simple ad that backs out to a lead, a lot of the times the people calling in just aren't qualified. Um, so that was one of the main issues we ran into, um, and we were able to solve that through more pre-qualified funnels. Um, so that involved quite a bit of different things. Um, a lot of it we took over on our side, and we kind of built all of their pages and their whole backends all on our own internal systems. Um, I know you guys have talked about it a few times. We have a pretty intensive internal routing system that we use at Pilothouse. 
um, but also doing things like making sure we're, we're building long form pre-qualifiers that run them through dynamic surveys that, oh, if they don't qualify for reason X, maybe they qualify for reason YZ. So we have to send them down that. And maybe if they don't qualify for reason YZ and like 50% of people are coming in non-qualified, how can we work with the client to build a process or product that will cater to that user? Um, and then once we kind of pre-qualify that lead, uh, then we, from there, we had qualified leads on the phone. We ran into the issue of the leads weren't backing out because of, they understood the service, but they had additional issues. Now we work with the client to identify those and we find out other channels to follow up with that user, be it through simple retargeting campaigns, um, but we're going as deep as doing email campaigns. We work with push notification campaigns, which are little notifications on your phone, um, SMS texting campaigns, um, working with the client to work, build an outbound call system with their call center. Um, and just going through all that. And we, we've built a pretty in-depth system on both um, solving all those problems through conversion rate optimization and working directly with the clients, um, but as well as building the tech. So we have like a lead delivery system where we could essentially have a client that's ready to go, that's never worked with the call center and never had anything in their life. And we could have leads in their inbox, in their personal email within like 20 minutes without any tech integration whatsoever. Um, we make it really easy to onboard clients and just make it a whole very easy process. And generally leads that have been through this sort of value for value treatment that has them pre-qualified at a higher level than, than years previous. Exactly. Now there, there's another side to that, but that's when it gets a little bit deeper talking about media buying strategies where some of the times it does make more sense to get those less qualified leads. Um, now, a situation where that's the case is where obviously those more intense leads running through a really intense funnel, pre-qualifying a bunch, asking usually a lot of pretty personal questions. The costs are going to be quite a bit higher there, um, just due to the nature of the conversion. Um, some of the times it does make more sense to get that lower quality lead at a lower cost and work with the client to build a more intensive um, script on the call center to pre-qualify them over the phone. For example, we find in older senior focused audiences where there's just not as much trust um, in the internet um, as a whole, we find that we like to collect a lower amount of information on them and have the call centers do more of the pre-qualifying. Now, of course, the leads aren't as good quality, but we work with a deal where the leads aren't costing as much, obviously, so we're able to offset that cost. And it's just a, it's just a matter of working really closely together with the client to really find that sweet spot. And there's a whole lot of variation there. It's not just binary. There's a lot of middle ground in building the systems. Brett, what's your, what's your sweet spot for forms? Because like we talk about quality a lot, right? Like, what is a quality user? It's someone who's given you all their information that is ready to sign up, right? Like what's the middle ground on the number of questions or number of uh, roadblocks that we put in front of a customer? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, what we found works really well is make sure that we're presenting the whole product in the initial ad first off. So yeah. not leaving anything up to question on what the product is or what they're getting. And then running through them through a form that doesn't fully qualify them down to the T but make sure it hits the client's, let's say top one, two, or three attributes of a user. Um, like let's say a client is selling, uh, I don't know, um, car insurance. Um, and the client's best insurance policies are homeowners over the age of 30. We'll qualify for homeowners age over the age of 30. Now the client also wants to know what's their credit score, where do they live, what's their job, blah, blah, blah. But we're not gonna ask that. We're just gonna make sure that we pre-qualify 
those first few important fields and then allow that latter half of the qualification to happen on the client side. That's kind of where we found the sweet spot. It kind of allows for a reasonable ad cost for the client um, while allowing um, some level of pre-qualification so we're not wasting the time in the call centers and they're happy with the lead quality. What about, what about in front of that too though? So there's the pre-qualifying, but like, like how many, like specifically, like how many basically like pages or, or bits of information does a customer receive before they get to the form field itself? Yeah, so it, it depends on the product. And a lot of that does actually come down to, again, the type of ads we're running. Mm -hmm. um, ads are a big part of the lead gen space because you can have a, a really short form ad um, and you'd have a really long form ad and those are going to change us quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, like Eric was mentioning, we are working quite a bit in the content space. Usually the general flow is you have an ad that pre-qualifies, you have some content that gives you kind of a rough overview of the service and what to expect. Um, so you know that somebody's going to phone you, you know that they're going to ask you these questions, you know that this is what you're signing up for. Sometimes that exists as a generic pre-sale page that we all know and love. Sometimes that's kind of more integrated into the form, kind of as like tidbits of information at the top of the page. Mm. So you, and then other times, if the product's a very simple product, um, we'll try to front load all the information in the ad itself. We'll create a really long video that walks you through the entire product. And by the time you've watched that whole video, you're gonna have no questions. So we wanna bring them right to the form right away and ready to convert and not have any points of resistance. It's really, it's really all about feeling it out, but usually it's, it's ad content, and then to the form with the pre-qualifiers. Totally. So just wh whether it's in the ad copy itself, in the funnel or on the forum page, just ensuring that they, they kind of know what the product is at, at a deep level. Um, obviously, uh, you know, um, combating any objections in your copy, but um, knowing that, you know, they're, they're uh, gonna participate in this to ensure that the, the quality is very high for the partner. Exactly. Know what they're signing up for and know what they're to expect after they fill out the form is a big one. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of people put their phone number in and don't expect to be called. They don't correlate those two things. Um, mm -hmm. So it's important to say by filling out this form, you'll be able to talk to X and X over the phone to find the next steps. Um, like you have to make sure you're very clear that because a lot of people are used to filling out forms and then continuing the whole process online. And a lot of times that's not the case. So being very upfront about not only the service and the product and what you receive, um, but what the process is like in receiving that product. Nice. And, and on the front end, in terms of ads, what are some of the, the actual tactical uh, thing? You know, we, we, we talked last week about uh, these first person explainers or unboxing yeah. videos. Um, so I'm interested in, in some of these other, you know, front end pieces that are really great because I, I assume yeah on that front end Dennis is uh, your alter ego or or whoever we get to make uh, make these first person ads uh, you, you like you, you walk us through a little bit of the ad making process. Yeah, um, the the very first part of the ad making process is first again identifying what type of ad we're making, whether or not we want to disclose all the information in the ad um, and kind of push them quickly to a form. Um, or have an ad that's gonna be a little bit more on the, the quick baby side and then present all the information on, on the page. So we kind of have two styles of ads. Once we identify that, again, recently, all the information in the ad has been winning out. Um, recently, it's been very kind of user-generated content style creative. Very unedited, like very, very at-home looking. Um, a lot of the creative we're using, I'm filming with my cell phone, walking around my apartment like a crazy person. 
Um, but that's what works best. And it, it's genuine. Um, you're not, it's not people talking in a high influencer voice. It's not, hey, welcome to blah, blah. It's like, hey. Oh, killer, dude. no filler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, hey, dude, this is my, my cool new cell phone. I really like it because it has these apps. People, people just want to have genuine content showed to them. And I, I think part of it too, especially um, during the COVID epidemic, is it's people are just looking for something to watch. They just want, they're craving entertainment. They're craving content. So showing like, it's like, you know, unboxing videos are popular on YouTube. Like people go watch those for fun. Why don't we make those as our ads? People are going to want to watch them anyway. Yeah. And so, just, just on that, just a quick tip. So Brett, I'm not sure if you got your nose ring in today. I can't see. But if you want comments, like if you want high engagement and you're doing videos for yourself, put a nose ring in because your engagement just skyrockets. Yeah, that's, that's And with my hair, I've done this too. People are like, cut your hair, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And like, I, the ad costs are actually a lot cheaper. It's, it, it gets, uh, especially the, the 50 plus baby boomers don't really like the septum ring. So oh, sometimes, sometimes I have to take that out. My favorite comment ever was, uh, you can't trust a guy with a man bun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that sealed the cake. Well, that's hilarious. Nice. Now, are there any high-level trends in ecom? I, or sorry, in uh, in lead gen specifically right now, in terms of offers, uh, you mean, or kinds of leads that are more valuable or less valuable given some of the the changing aspects of the world? Yeah. Uh, so right now we're seeing a lot of shift to lead gen, um, especially um, a lot of clients are onboarding processes to receive leads. Like I said, in the ecom space, people are building systems around it. Um, there, it's really just getting um, a diversity um, of trying out all those different types um, and finding the one. Like we're, we're seeing a lot of clients that are willing to go and do those tests because there's a lot more interest. So really testing every single scope of lead. Like if you're just working in a phone number and you're doing a, just to have a strict call center, try an email follow-up, try that, give that a shot. Um, there's, I really haven't personally seen one cookie cutter um, type of lead that's, that's really winning it out. Um, but I am seeing a lot of shifts in the space. Um, and it's just because people are realizing there's a lot more potential here with all this volume. Um, as far as niches that are working out, um, finance is doing really well in all scopes, um, both on the, the saving side and the spending side. People have a lot of time to think about things. People are interested in finance, bettering themselves. Um, people, some people are having tough times and there are products that can help with that stuff as well. Yeah. That, that's a really good point. Like a lot of our, um, it's funny, like it's this bridge, like e-coms kind of doing more lead gen, lead gens trying to be more transactional or build services or, or apps or whatever that, um, you know, they can control the transaction. And so there is this kind of merge happening if like specifically with trends I'm seeing they're, they're, they used to be, I'm just gonna go right to the edge of my screen here. They used to be right here. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're kind of here and um there's a lot of cross pollinating yeah totally as, nope. as they should be like a lot of a lot of i find especially um reading forums and stuff a lot of people in the lead gen space think once you have a lead in facebook your job is done when it's, it's really far far from that lead gen you are selling products um and your your lead cost on the front end yeah. it just it's a little bit different than e-com where people think oh e-com so hard to crack lead gen so easy but it's not your, your one lead might be worth $2. Your one lead also might be worth $200. There's yeah. just so much discrepancy there. And a lot of that work has to be put in on the data side and the analytics side and working with clients. 
So. So, something else is really interesting is just like general major, major trends in the lead gen space are intermediaries coming in that are developing services like auto switching or um, optimize your credit card payments for you or uh, will manage your AT&T bills, whatever it is. There's, there's, especially in the insurance space, there's an influx, massive investment going into automation. There's companies that are doing like a traditional uh, you know, auto insurance or car insurance company, like Progressive, right? Like they're just a call center business. But then there's people on top, like Zebra, for example, where they're actually managing the um, switches for you. There's even companies that are, are, are giving you cheaper rates based on the data of your phone in your car. And so there's a lot of companies that are, that are slotting in and creating uh, value for consumers, but it's actually putting pressure on the traditional call center businesses to kind of shape up and do a better job too. Interesting. Yeah. I'm wondering with this, with this sort of like content first approach value for value, are you, are, is it becoming less instantaneously transactional in, in that, you, you know, you might get a lead from a person, but then they might stay part of your, of your mailing list and you might be able to, you know, get them interested in another service. Again, is it, is, is the sort of content first approach helping with LTV of, of these leads or is it still mainly happening in the first sort of three days of, of their initiation of, you know, of their, coming across our, our content? I, I think a lot of the times, actually, um, I, think it's, I think it's not that it shifted that, but it's more just taking advantage of those people that wouldn't have converted anyway if those services weren't there. Um, so a lot of the times you do see lead gen as this traditional, oh, they sign up, they call on the phone, and they're done then and there. And that is a case a lot of the time. Um, but the, from what I've seen in the data when we're, we're building out these funnels. It's not like we're losing those first touch people. Those people that we're going to convert on the first touch are going to convert anyway. So it's not like we're shifting that. We're just going from this to growing our customer base to this. Because we're, we're taking from those people that kind of had the skepticism that needed more convincing that before the call center just like, oh, you're not interested. Okay, sorry, bye. Bam, they're gone. We've taken from that. We still have these people. We've still collected them. But we're able to capitalize on this whole other large scope of people. Very cool, and that, that's that, that that's very similar to the project that we're collaborating, you know, on the uh, on that email side. And to me, it's almost like you know, this is a a product that is it's telemedicine. I think I think it's okay to to say it. it's a telemedicine product, and we're sort of using transactional e-commerce strategies of of just creating more touch points with the customer to give them a better impression of the brand. And and already, just I I just saw the client mentioning already from this. The, you know, these extra touches we've added into this lead generation process, they're seeing their conversions rates go up. So to me, it's a really good example of how these worlds are merging. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, I'm not too privy on that particular client uh, or deal. I, I know you guys have done a hell of a job there. Um, can you talk about those additional touch points? Like what, what is that? Why is that client happy? Yeah. So basically it's, it's a client where, yeah, they, they have a telemedicine service where they're presented, you know, uh, with a lead generation offer, a lead generation ad in the beginning where they can get a specific service related to, to telemedicine. Um, they, they sort of, and the whole goal is to get them onto the phone and then on the phone there, the services is, is more explained. Uh, and then, and then it's a process. It's like a whole process that, that can take up to 60 days essentially. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a way, yeah, go ahead, Brad. Uh, and just to elaborate on that, like just, to, that's a perfect example of kind of what we worked with in like, like Eric says, it's a very long sales process. It's a, it's a medical process. There's a lot of information required. Um, 
And we, we worked the client pretty heavily on that, where initially his whole form pre-qualified the entire user and the whole thing, but those leads were astronomically expensive. Um, and it was working, um, but there's a huge, huge opportunity um, to kind of, we, we still pre-qualified the major need tabs for this service. Um, and then we put more focus on the call center side of things and the service Eric's working on. Um, and it's gotten to the point where it's, it's very significantly reduced his costs in doing that. Um, so he's handling a lot more on the call center side. And then what, what Eric's working on there, he's, he's really getting the, that contact rate up. So you've reduced the qualification requirements to give us your data, right? You've made it clear. There's, it's clear instruction on what's going to happen. We've built out an email SMS program, just email. Email and SMS, and it and it's I I don't know if the SMS is in quite yet, um, but it's really just the it's these extra touch points of hey you're you're expect a call in the next hour, right? Uh, and and that you know just there that you know sending an SMS that says expect a call from our medical professional in the next hour, they're just going to be twenty percent more likely to pick up a call if they've sort of been warmed up, yeah, uh, in that fashion. And we're trying to do that along this entire process just to uh yeah just to increase those touch points and increase the value Correct me if i'm wrong i think that's just like a 60 part email sequence is that right yeah that, that it was it's, it's 60 part email sequence and, and 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 this in this case it's being able to work with a client like this client is just so organized so next level when it comes to their vision of the customer journey that was yeah. really just a matter of us taking their map that they've written out of this 60 day customer journey and then just thinking okay what would be a great touch point here what would be what would be delightful? You know what I mean? Like right. what would make them feel great about this process? And it is a great process and it's a great service. So it's something I feel you know, happy about uh, helping them build. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really neat to see the way it's coming together. I'm excited to see when it's fully operational. I know it's sort of just partially implemented now. We have big machine, lots of cogs. And that'll allow you to scale more. Exactly. It all, it all like, that's the, that's the big thing with lead gen is it's you're, you're not just a media buyer anymore. You're a, funnel optimizer, you're a data analyst, you're an email builder, you're a call center manager. It's, you really have to look past your numbers in Facebook. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today was uh, Facebook's announcement of uh, server to server tracking. Uh, and now this isn't, you know, I, I know right now we operate on a, is it cookies mainly? Or the, the pixel, the pixel, uh, and then pixel. cookies on digital web. We don't, yeah, we don't talk about yeah. cookies so much anymore. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just frame that real quick. So yeah. Facebook primarily has been driven by uh, pixels, which everyone knows, obviously. Uh, conversion events driven by pixels. Blah 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 blah. Uh, a lot of people know Facebook has been working on server-to-server -server tracking, um, and we left a meeting in the UK uh, with our Facebook rep there, and. They gave us a lot of insights and access into um, of what the server-to-server -server tracking would look like. And for those of you who don't know, server-to-server -server tracking basically is where uh, conversion events are sent from server-to-server -server so that you're not dependent upon browser session cookies. Um, so in theory, well, historically, very common in the performance marketing place, it lives and breathes. Um, um, Postbacks and server-to-server -server tracking, but ad platforms are starting to do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. So what are some of the things that server-to-server -server tracking enables? Yeah, so it, it brings really two huge astronomical things to the table, depending on your situation. Um, the first one is going to be it's going to allow you to implement accurate Facebook tracking on clients that, for whatever reason, aren't able to support a Facebook pixel. Um, we get a lot of pushback on 
the Facebook pixel, pixel for multiple different reasons, um, ranging from they're not willing to put our pixel on there because they don't know if they're willing to have that on there, the code, or willing to like share their sale data or anything along those lines, or they're not just technically set up to do it. Um, a lot of people just aren't capable of placing the Facebook pixel. Um, so it allows us to work with those clients a little bit more directly without actually placing any code on their page and still being able to actively, actively track conversions. Um, the other one, which is even more exciting, I think, especially to me, um, is it allows us to track events that happen off of Facebook. Um, so that means we can track, using call centers, we can track when somebody's closed on a call. We can track when somebody's um, made the next step in the sales process. Um, we can track when somebody's done something um, in an SMS message. If they've replied yes to an SMS, we could piggyback that back onto Facebook. We can track things from ManyChat and FirePixels and ManyChat. It kind of opens up a huge, huge amount of optimization. Um, that's going to allow us to obviously optimize to that point directly, um, especially if we're running one of those ads where I was mentioning earlier where we're, we're not pre-qualifying too aggressively on the front end and we're allowing the call center to do a lot more of the qualifying, where sometimes they're only closing one to 2% of the leads just due to the nature of the campaign. But we're able to piggyback all that conversion info into Facebook to really better identify the clients. And, and Brett, so we've managed to make postback tracking work. However, there's some caveats with that, correct? Yeah, so it's, it's unfortunately not cut and dry. It's not as simple as a cake or volume postback that some people are used to, um, but it does work on the same fundamentals relatively. Um, without getting too technical, um, basically Facebook does have a click ID that they pay you back in, um, but they only do that on devices that aren't in-app Facebook mobile. Um, so what that means is anything that's desktop, anything that's mobile in like a mobile browser will pass click ID, but on the actual Facebook app, which is of your not all your traffic, if there's no click ID passed, um, that's likely due to them not thinking they need external tracking because it's all within Facebook, fair enough. Um, but fortunately, there is ways to work around that by matching the click ID app by pulling it out of a cookie. There's also options to match um, the click based on other unique identifiers like user agent and IP. So it's a little bit of a complicated process, but it's, we're working on building an easy to use an easy to integrate way. There definitely is a way to build tools around it, but it's, it's, there's a lot of API work required and you have to build apps and it's a bit of a. What accuracy have you seen through various like in brackets hacks that, that we've built? So it, it's varied for sure at a very low level where we're just matching off user agent and IP, which is very easy. Um, we're seeing anywhere from 60 to 70% accuracy. If we're able to pull the cookie, um, it's pretty much 100% because you're matching a direct click ID. And just to confirm, that's anything outside of the actual Facebook app experience. So if we're, when we're able to pull the cookie, um, it's 100%, even in anything. The cookie still appears in the ad, but the click ID does not. Got you. Yeah. So they're not quite there, moral of the it's, story. It's very close though. And once there, there it's, there's ways to do it. It's just about figuring out the best way. It varies for how you're running and what your properties are, but it's, yeah. it's a very close thing to happening. And again, once we're able to track those offline conversions, it could pretty much, you pretty much have endless possibilities. Um, now you are able to do that now currently through the offline conversions, but you have to bulk upload or do a scheduled blah, blah, blah. This is automated real time. You could hook in with your client's call center. And you can literally have it so when their call center agents hits the drop down as client, 
instantly fires into Facebook as a sold conversion, which is as like a disposition. I, I think about it in terms of this client we've worked on where they have a, a call center where the call center will mark off a specific disposition of a lead. Like they, they want to know more or they're, they, they're, they're unsure about this aspect or this aspect. You could technically just fire dynamic events for each of those and then have your ads specifically reference those dispositions. That's fantastic. Yeah. That would be like, yeah. Like let's say you're running an ad that hits, hits resistance point ABC but everybody's saying, oh, but what about D? And then you add D in there and all of a sudden your ad converts 3X. Yeah, there's en endless possibilities there. When, you, when you're dealing with, again, with lead gen where everything happens post-conversion, being able to have insight on that down to the ad level is endless in its value. Very cool. So what are your, overall, what are your outlooks for, for lead gen for the rest of 2020? I know you guys are extremely bullish. You're having some of your best months you've had. Yeah, I, I think... I think users are getting a lot smarter and the days of really scrappy affiliate lead gen are coming to a slow and you're really going to need to be focusing on nurturing the customer, making sure they're comfortable, making sure they're informed. Um, but fortunately, I think we're very good at all of those things. So for us as an agency, I'm very, very confident in the, the future of lead gen as well as anybody else who's able to crack it and create a positive user experience in a lead gen funnel and not spam people with calls and not sell the number to 12 other buyers. I think it's a very good industry to be in. I'm, I'm also looking forward to a lot of those automation services and apps that are coming out. Yeah. I think that, that's, that's really where it's going to go in the next five years and you'll see a big shift in, in, you know, automation and how yeah. like the requirement for actual call centers will probably lessen. It's a really good point. We are, we are seeing, like you mentioned in the insurance space, a lot of companies are actually, some are switching to, you can qualify for a whole insurance policy online without even talking to anybody. Now, well, they just send you a message and it's like, hey, here's a cheaper deal for you. We already have your info. Exactly. And there, again, there's, there's two totally different funnels in one niche just there exactly. And there's so many different ways to handle all of this. So it's just being able to, to wrangle the beast and just kind of test everything and be open to constantly moving, changing things, learning new things. Maybe we're going to be like broadcasting brainwaves for lead gen through Elon Musk's little, who knows? <laughs> gotta, we just got to make sure we stay open to all the, all the different channels that might be presented to us soon. I love it. I, f I felt like I was in a lead gen commercial the other night. My wife was, uh, I was get making dinner and my wife was just like, I just applied for auto insurance in less than three minutes. And I was just <laughs> like, yeah, that might've been Brett. <laughs> Never know. Fantastic. What else is, what else is going on? I just, we're pretty much done here. I want to just say that was a great primer for anyone interested in the lead gen space. What are you most excited about this weekend? You always have such interesting things going on. What do I have going on? Just, Smashing campaign, um, man. I, it's a really nice day out. I just finished building a new bike, so I'm going to go burn around the city, honestly. We had a, we've been putting in really busy days. We've seen some really good growth on clients, and I'm going to go burn around on my bike and listen to music for a few hours and then just enjoy the weekend. Boy. Good for <laughs> awesome. you. Awesome. Awesome. I want to thank you for coming on All Killer No Filler today. Awesome. Uh, appreciate the help with the intro, Kyle. Uh, huh. Back on my game next week. Uh, but anyway, it's been great. I uh, look forward to getting this one out early on uh, early next week, probably Tuesday. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Brad. Peace.